time to abandon ship. Oh no! Here we go! Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jaja, homie, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey! This is escape! Then where the pot? Jesus! Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and another episode of Rebels Talk. And today we are going over the finale, the last couple episodes of Star Wars Rebels. And if you don't know what Rebels Talk is, it's our sub-series on the podcast where we go way back to uh, Star Wars Rebels as uh, this is a, a rewatch podcast. Now, traditionally, we do a lot of normal podcast episodes as well, but Rebels Talk episodes specifically, you want to check the description in the bottom to see which episodes we're talking about. And uh, then listen to this, the podcast. So today we're doing season one, episodes 13 through 15, capping off season one of Star Wars Rebels. This is Rebels Talk part five. Let's get into it. Another happy landing. All right, welcome back, everybody. And uh, joining me from far, far away, we got to get on the hologram for this one. Because uh, joining us is our esteemed co-host. You know him as Blake. There's a hologram right there. Welcome back, Blake. Hello, hello. Always good to be here. Very exciting. Let's talk some Star Wars Rebels. That's right. Hello there. <laughs> hello there. It took me a while to find that button. <laughs> <laughs> Just like talking and trying to click around for it at the same time. Oh, oh, I have one correction to make. You said the final episodes of Star Wars Rebels, but specifically season one. So don't fret, you didn't miss three seasons. Right, yes, yeah, season one, that's right. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's that, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to believe actually that we're a quarter way through Star Wars Rebels already. I mean, this has been, uh, we've been blitzing that's it That's right crazy, through. yeah. Yeah. Are the following seasons longer? I feel like they have to be. Uh, yeah, you know, I think they are. They're, they're about 22 episodes a season. I think the first season was a bit shorter at 15 episodes. Okay. So, you know, we're dealing with a bit of a shorter, a shorter story. But, uh, you know, here we are at the, at the, the end of the, uh, the first chapter in the crew of the ghost. And, uh, these are prominent characters that are going to be showing up in Ahsoka in, in, uh, you know, a couple weeks. I mean, we've seen live action versions of these characters show up in the trailer. Did you say a couple weeks in a couple weeks? Yeah, that's Holy right. Holy smokes. It's gone by quick. The show by then. <laughs> I know. I know the that's plan. Crazy. The plan is to finish rebels talk by the, the start of Ahsoka, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, uh, we might have some overlap, um, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, we're going to do, we're going to do our best, but, uh, I think it is, uh, you know, it's August. Uh, well, we got the event right here in our discord server, August 23rd. So, you know, we're about, uh, you know, okay. two months, two months ish away. 
Um, yeah, a month and a half, month I'd say. Month and a half, yeah. We better, we better crank these out then, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. We gotta, we gotta start. We have to up our game. Start, yeah, start two episodes hard. a week or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fans will love that. Oh, Tweet yeah. about it. Yep. How many episodes a week should we do? Yeah. Two? Two? two. Eight? <laughs> Fifteen? Twenty? <laughs> It's just the whole show in like one week. Well, I know it's uh, it's unreal. I mean, you know, and uh, actually, you know, before we dive right in, um, you know, again, for those of you who are who are joining us for the first time on Star Wars Escape Pod, I know uh, currently we'll talk about a bit more in just a moment here. Uh, we are running a giveaway, so you know, a lot of people might be tuning into the podcast for the first time. Uh, so you know, I'm your host Josh, and you know, our co-host Blake right here. Uh, it's uh, Rebels Talk. You know, as I mentioned before, our Rebels after show uh, leading up to uh, Ahsoka. And, uh, you know, other than that, I mean, it's really just um, a podcast that we love to chat about Star Wars. We've got we've got book reviews, you know, video game reviews. Uh, we've we've done what happened, you know, catch ups on characters, uh, in-depth lore discussions, you know, you name it. Uh, we've even done commentary tracks, done uh, discussions about the deleted scenes for all the trilogies. It's been fun. It's been a good time, and uh, we've been doing it since uh, 2019. So, uh, you know, it's that's uh, crazy to think about, man. Oh my gosh, by. it's flown by. Yeah, we've been doing this podcast longer than high school. <laughs> well, I mean, we're getting there. We're getting there. I mean, it was like August, August, uh, tw- August 31st, I think it was in 2019. So, end of 2019. You know, a couple months in there. Uh, 2020, one, two, three. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess we're kind of we're kind of coming on to that that five year mark eventually, but um, not far off. You know, not. Far How long off. were you in high school for? High school is three years. High school. Oh man, I went to a high you school go, which was five you go years. You go from you go from grade eight to twelve, and I'm in high school. Oh man. Yeah. So, yeah. I think generally it's just 10, 11, 12. Yeah, I think yeah, it depends on that. depends on the region you're from. Yeah, I guess I guess it could be looked at that way. But uh, no. Well, my, you know what? It was five for me too. I had to repeat two years. Right. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I <laughs> wanted to fit in. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, welcome, welcome to Star Wars Escape Pod. Anyone who's new, and uh, yes, you heard that right. And we also, are... welcome to all the new people who are following on YouTube because I saw there's a huge jump in subscribers. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's uh, there's a lot of people tuning in now. And, uh, you know, thanks to all of you guys who have been following us on uh, the Twitter feed using the handle at Podcast, and, uh, you know, the Instagram account as well. Uh, finding us on YouTube, the handle is the same across the board and you can find it all in the description below. Uh, and uh, we are running a giveaway. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, you know, look for that on uh, for, on our Discord server or or on our on on the socials, and uh, you know, there's a variety of ways that you can enter to win a Star Wars Retro Series Orbit Key. Um, you know, and uh, we have uh, a good friend of ours at at Orbit Key who's kindly uh, hooked us up with uh, with this giveaway. So you know, huge thanks to Kirk and and to Orbit Key as well for uh, for providing this opportunity and. You know, we hope uh, we hope Orbit Key actually gets a, a, you know some attention th- from this as well. Uh, but they're super cool. I mean, uh, you know, literally just just you know my own uh, opinion here about Orbit Key is, um, you know, I, I'm not getting rips and pokey things in my pocket when I put my keys away in my pocket. So uh, and to have them all stashed in a little neat little Star Wars kind of 
you know, piece of memorabilia is, is uh, even better, right? I mean, you, you've got one too, right, Blake? I do, yeah. I have the Mandalorian one. It's a nice brown leather color. I like it quite a lot. And that's because, by the way, it is actual leather. Uh, it's nicely finished. It's engraved. People yeah. are always actually asking me about it all the time because I love, you know, flipping it out whenever I'm going to, you know, get into the car or unlock the door. Like, what is that thing? Like, well, this is my Orbit Key Key Organizer. Let me show you a link. And then uh, I'll, you know, ask for their phone and type it in for them and add to basket. It's all a whole ordeal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if you uh, if you see anything about Star Wars Escape Pod, uh, loves Orbit Key giveaway, uh, you know, we, just enter, throw your name in the hat. I mean, you know, you, you got nothing to lose. We're, we're not exact. We're not going to be sending you newsletters or anything like that. It's just your, your free chances. There's eight ways to enter. All you got to do is either join the discord server, follow us on the Twitter feed, uh, send out the automated, uh, or the pre-written tweet. That's, um, kind of good to go. You just hit a button. Uh, or you can even, uh, if you do a few of those things, you can choose what your favorite retro orbit key is uh, because the new retro series there's four different designs there's a death star x-wing tie fighter and uh, millennium falcon uh, you can vid- visit us on the youtube page the instagram visit orbit key on facebook and if you do everything in that list you get a free entry after that which brands you as a jedi master so uh you know eight ways to enter can't go wrong with that and we've got 656 total entries at the moment and 22, oh, 22 days left. So uh, get your name in the hat because uh, you never know. That time's going to fly by. And then, you know, hopefully the next thing you, uh, you know, you're winning a, a free over key. So um, just let us know. Let us know. Um, and, rem- and remember. You want this, don't you? Yes, you There do. we go. Yes, you do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's all, it's all in good fun. And, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're super thrilled that Orbit Key has been, um, and Kirk has been, you know, so, uh, generous with, uh, allowing us to do all this stuff. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's been fun. So, uh, keep, keep tuned into the podcast, uh, for the, for the news on the winner. And we're going to be blasting the name out, uh, across our socials as well, uh, f- so that we grab your attention. Also keep an eye on your email. So whatever email you use to sign up for the giveaway, make sure it's not a throwaway burner email. Cause that's the only way we can reach you. Uh, so, so make sure you use an email that you still have access to in 22 days, and then you can delete whatever burner email it is. Uh, just make sure you can log into it in 22 days to check and see if you want. So that's all I have to say on that. So thank you to all our, our entries and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, Transition over here to Star Wars Rebels Season 1, Episode 13, Call to Action. All right, this episode is directed by Stuart Lee. (laughs) Woo! Stuart Lee and written by executive producer Greg Wiseman and Simon Kinberg. It was released on Watch Disney xd.com and the watch disney xd app on february 2nd 2015 and it premiered on disney xd on february 19th guest stars uh, sorry february 9th yes thank you guest stars david shaughnessy brett spiner and steven stanton uh the synopsis reads or the summary should i say uh summary reads grand moff tarkin visits lothal to deal with the rebels in light of discovering that travis is actually an imperial spy the rebels debate broadcasting a message to the nearby star systems about their cause ezra adamantly supports the idea since his parents had broadcast secret messages from their basement for years 
Kanan decides to invade the main Imperial communications tower on Lothal. The rebels think that they have the element of surprise, but they do not take into account the arrival of Tarkin, who has deduced that they will strike. Uh, the Inquisitor and Callus are sent out to capture Kanan alive to earn back Tarkin's trust. And when the Imperial forces attack the group at the tower, Kanan instructs his team to leave him and thus is captured. The team is able to have Ezra send the message of hope, urging those living under oppression of the Empire to fight before Tarkin orders the tower to be destroyed, ending their broadcast. Tarkin comes in swinging. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, like, oh, they're going to use our stuff? Blow it up. Yeah, and like this, I mean, chronologically, I mean, the only big kind of rebellion movement that's happened before this has all been really under the rug, as we've kind of come to know from Andor, right? So, I mean, to get Ezra broadcasting like a, kind of a nearby star systems sort of galaxy uh, uh, sector related rebellion message is kind of a big deal because like not a lot of people have done that yet, right? No, this is very early on. So I think this is a point where people are really unsure if the rebels that are fighting against the Empire are actually fighting for liberty or if they're just kind of terrorists blowing stuff up and causing havoc. Right. This was really their first chance to like get a message out there, try to explain what they're doing. Right. Exactly. They might not even realize that the, at least specifically this rebel cell hasn't actually killed anybody, including stormtroopers. They just done everyone. Yeah. I actually have a bit of an audio bite here, uh, which is the message that uh, Ezra sends. If you want to take a quick listen to it. Uh, here we go. Let's do it. Have a problem. Explain. It appears the insurgents have gained control of the tower's transmitter. We have been called criminals, but we are not. We are rebels, fighting for the people. Fighting for you. I'm not that old, but I remember a time when things were better on Lethal. Maybe not great, but never like this. See what the Empire has done to your lives, your families, and your freedom? It's only gonna get worse. Unless we stand up and fight back. It won't be easy. There'll be loss and sacrifice, but we can't back down just because we're afraid. That's when we need to stand the tallest. That's what my parents taught me. That's what my new family helped me remember. up together because that's when we're strongest as one you do not know what it takes to win a war but i do all right yeah that was a kind of a crazy ending to the episode too with with tarkin like kind of you know, battle scars from the Clone Wars kind of saying, like, you don't know what it takes to win a battle, but I do. I'm like, dang, <laughs> this guy means he's business. Not, yeah. He's not joking around. He's going to do what he has to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he actually was in the Clone Wars, so he has done it before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and he's always been a very realist sort of, you know, guy, right? Like, he, he's not one to waste his efforts, uh, and we, we really enjoyed the Tarkin book when that came out and uh, really kind of sheds light on on his intuition and, and his uh, 
his character. And I think the way he's portrayed in pretty much any show across the board, mm-hmm. whether it be uh, Bad Batch or Rebels or Clone Wars, it's always awesome. Like, you know, the uh, Steven Stanley oh, yeah. who does the voice. He's fantastic. So, Yep. And I always like that book. I know that's what uh, I'm trying to remember the author now, but he's the this was the book that I think put us on the radar for him. Yeah, yeah. Right about that. Um, uh, the oh, sorry, who who is this again? I don't remember the author, but I remember he's one of the more prominent Star Wars authors. Yeah. Um, Tarkin. Was it? Uh, was it? Was it James Lucino? I think that is him. Yes. He was the one who wrote the Darth Plagueis book. I don't do it wrong. Yeah, it's James Lucino. Right. Yeah, it is. Yep, James Lucino. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, been so long now. Yeah. So. Uh, we were really excited because this was the first book I think he wrote in the new canon, uh, and we had previously really enjoyed uh, the book he just mentioned, which was the Darth Plagueis novel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the Darth Plagueis novel was was uh, was really nice, and uh, you know Tarkin was awesome. I, know, I remember Rogue One Catalyst was also really good. He's he's written a number of of solid uh, Star Wars novels. So anyone who likes the character of Tarkin, you know, go check out Tarkin. Uh, the the book, <laughs> um, and yeah, it's it's a good one. But I mean, kind of like the the events that transpire at the end of this episode is really sort of like the big thing we're talking about. Um, Tarkin describes the rebel cell situation as well. His fear that the unity could create a larger problem. So he saw this kind of like in advance. You know, the, like the possibility that this rebellion could be an issue. Uh, he didn't look at it as like this squabbling group of people that were just you know, able to be dealt with in a, in a manner of time and, and uh, limited resources. Like, you know, he really does see a lot of uh, potential with this, this group of people that is fighting back. Yeah. Um, but I think he could see that it, it could very easily become a rallying call for more people to join and the rebellion to grow and become an actual formidable foe to the empire, which ironically is exactly what happens. Seem to be the only one to have the foresight to see that happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, the spike, which is what the rebels used to hack the broadcasting tower at the time when the show came out, was actually new to Star Wars, and uh, was nope. l- was later brought into the Clone Wars season seven when when there was a, a story arc uh, where I think it was Ahsoka or something that used the spike. But can you remember a different time when which the this spike? Is the, this is the first canon thing. So it's actually originally from the Kotor games. Gotcha. Okay, so so the so spike what, then is those, first to, <laughs> new to canon, I guess, with Star Wars Rebels, is what you're saying. Yeah, and the first time it was in a show, it was kind of used as a gimmick in games. So like you, if you're trying to hack a computer and your computer skill was too low, you could use a number of computer spikes to bypass it, and you had to go and like collect spikes instead. Interesting. So do they look like they do in the Rebels show? You never really all of them like you didn't physically use them in the game they just had like a picture icon from the menu right and it looks more like a computer chip was what i'm looking at here as opposed to an actual bike shaped object yeah. which does make more sense because in the show you see where normally a droid would kind of like connect the like that port to the computer yeah that you insert the spike there and then it kind of hacks its way through which I- makes more sense and honestly it's kind of cool I'm just looking at this now, but um, back in the day, there was a limited run 
Knights of the Old Republic Premium and Master Edition. Oh, sorry. Actually, this is a more recent thing from Limited Run Games when it relaunched on the Switch and PC. And uh, it, it, there was there was a bunch of pre-orders that began. You know, the whole game came in like a, a nice box set with like a bunch of exclusives that came with it, including a little tiny Ebon Hawk metal pin. And uh, oh. you know, there was a certificate of authenticity, a light side, dark side, commemorative coin as well as a usb flash drive which is called a security spike usb flash drive fully functional and it actually looks like um the spike does from the game it's pretty cool actually uh so i guess yeah i just i'm just looking it up now i was like dang that's that that where's that link is that it's just not google yeah yeah i just i just looked up kotor kotor um spike uh, and then, you know, it just kind of came up in the results. Um, and I'll, I'll send a picture here in our, in our chat, but, uh, it, yeah, it was, that's, that's a good point. I mean, I've never actually finished KOTOR. Oh, I never finished KOTOR. KOTOR at the time when it came out, I just, I don't know. I just didn't have the patience to get through the game. And I, I still have a thing with, with RPG sort of MMO style games, even if it's not MMO, like just that slow kind of hit a key and watch your guy just attack, you know, using turn base like fighting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's not really my thing. Yeah. It's pretty dated. And I don't know anyone who plays Baldur's Gate is probably yelling at me right now, but um, yeah, I just, or honestly Pokemon, Pokemon has the same mechanics. Right. Yeah. That's another game. Honestly, like I I've wanted and tried to get into it. I've played them on emulators. I played them back in the day. Like I just could not get into it for some reason. You know, the trick for me to do now playing those those games is to play them with like a speed enhancer so the animations are faster so it's a lot like the your attacks just it's it's more or less just like attack 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 and you're done instead of wait like hit the button and then you wait and your guy goes and the other guy goes and then there's an animation and then you know it takes forever <laughs> speed, right. speed it up. i don't got time for that anymore <laughs> yeah i don't i don't have the patience for that anymore um yeah the, oh, so nice part about emulators <laughs> yeah uh the sacrifice for something greater speech by Kanan was also uh, a foreshadow because uh he learns to um you know he's learning with Ezra as he goes along um as his master right because you know Ezra's Ezra's learning from Kanan but Kanan's also learning rediscovering how to be a Jedi by teaching Ezra what he knows and what mm-hmm. he knows is pretty much padawan level stuff like he was uh we saw him in in uh the the bad batch uh premiere uh as a as a kid you know running away from the clones and anyone who read the canon comic books which were the original canon story of that of that tale slightly depicted a little differently but um but uh yeah you know he's a young guy he's not exactly anakin episode two level padawan age like he's much younger than that so what he knows is quite limited, and I think anything he has a, has pulled off with the Force in the show is literally a result of him more recently kind of practicing again in his older in his older age, right? Um, yep, and, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, he he wouldn't have had really any uh, experience other than just like really the basics, you would think. So the fact that he had that and was able to. I'm not sure how long the time was, like, from when they first faced the Inquisitor to when, I guess we're not that far yet. We'll get into it. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tarkin, um, you know, I mean, 
I mean, yeah, I already mentioned it. You, you, you know, you don't know what it takes to win a war, but I do. I mean, I just love how that episode ends, you know, with that quote. And, and that's pretty much all I got for this, for this episode. But uh, anything you want to bring up before we move on here? No, I think, I think that's pretty much it. I will say that Tarkin is definitely a man of some good one-liners. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You may file when ready. Yeah. Um, season one, episode 50. Oh, sorry. Season one, episode 14, Rebel Resolve. This episode was directed by Justin Ridge, written by Charles Murray and Henry Gilroy, released on WatchDisneyXD.com and uh, the Watch Disney XD app on February 16th, 2015, and premiered on Disney XD on February 23rd. Guest stars Keith. Uh, Zara Baca, <laughs> if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Stephen Stanton, as well as Liam O'Brien. After failing to find where Kanan is being detained, uh, sorry, um, Hera is urged by Fulcrum to put the crew of the Ghost into hiding. Against Hera's orders to leave Kanan, Ezra devises a plan to rescue him. He strikes a deal with Visago for an unspecified favor in future... Uh, in the future, and learns that due to the destruction of the Imperial Communications Tower, the Empire is forced to send all its messages via courier droids. Meanwhile, Kanan is brought aboard Tarkin's ship, where he is tortured by the Inquisitor as the Empire hopes to gain more information about the Rebels. The crew of the Ghost uh, substitute a disguise chopper for an Imperial courier droid so that he can access the Empire's data on Kanan. Eventually, learning that Tarkin plans to transfer Kanan to the prison on Mustafar, where, according to Hera, Jedi go to die. Um, so this was interesting. Ezra reveals Kanan is a Jedi to Visago at the beginning of this episode, uh, and also Force lifts a crate right in front of him. And I was like, dude, like, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know about you, but I just thought that that, that little section of, of the episode was just just a little like out of place i don't know like is that how, how so? i don't know like i mean so visago just kind of laughs right like ezra's like you know kanan's a jedi and so am i or whatever he says and then visago and just doesn't like, yeah right yeah he just doesn't believe him right and then he starts to like force lift the crate and he like puts it over his head and then he kind of drops it in front of him and there was just kind of like a I guess he just, I don't know. I guess I was just expecting the reaction to just be a little different and, and like not so, uh, uh, I don't know. Cartoony. Yeah. 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 I mean, I know it's an it animation. It is a cartoon. Yeah. It is an animation show, but like, uh, what's the issue? Like that the guy laughed in his face or that Ezra like tried to crush him with a crate. Yeah. Uh, well, I think, I don't know. I, I mean, like, I think for me, it was just sort of the, the, the cheesiness of the moment, I guess. I don't know if that right. makes any sense. Like it, it just, to me, it was just didn't really work, but I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah. I question if it was even the right decision. Like that guy's pretty scummy. Would you really trust him to keep a secret like that? Yeah. That's the like, thing. Right? Guy's, like, is gonna, that really your only Jedi have the Sagan? I was going to say, because I feel like Jedi have a massive bounty on their heads. Yeah. And that guy's all about the money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. To me, it just, the whole, the whole, like, Visago's our only hope just didn't really make a whole lot of sense. But I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, there, there was, yeah. Here, here. I got, I got another audio bite. Let's, let's just take a quick listen. 
Because Kanan is a Jedi. <laughs> Kanan, a Jedi? <laughs> You're funny, kid. That scoundrel couldn't be a Jedi any more than you could. <laughs> I don't know, just the way he kind of responds to that situation, I was I just wasn't really buying it. You know what I mean? He like stands out of the crate for the longest time until it's about to drop on his face, and then he kind of dives sure. out of the way and he's like, <laughs> So you are a Jedi? <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, like <laughs> I don't know. The whole thing was just kind of a little strange to me, but um also no, the fact that fair. like you said, like why would he reveal that kind of confidence you know information yeah, to, to a scumbag right like i don't know yeah i have more of an issue with that i think as opposed to like the the interaction is definitely cartoony yeah but i don't know as a cartoon yeah yeah uh was this the first episode that we had a good look at chopper's jet engine on the bottom or have we seen that before i don't know oh, i couldn't that's remember a good question um honestly it's tricky for me because i I watched these and then I rewatched them and then I rewatched them again all within two weeks. So right. I'm not sure of their order at this point. <laughs> to me, I just, I, when I saw him flying around with his jet engine, I was like, dang, like that's such a cool shot. Like the way that he kind it's of like just booster. Yeah. Yeah. He like flies into the ghost and like they, they kind of pick him up like as he's, yeah, as he's flying. I don't know. It, it was just, it was just cool. It was just really, uh, uh, kind of neat, you know, to see this rust bucket of an astromech droid have something that's like insanely cool that like no other astromech droid has, right? Um, so. Well, I'm wondering because like R2 has the the rockets out of his legs. Yeah, they got. But he's it, got the rockets. You know, so some of the astromechs have these rockets, right? But I don't know. Like, like it's like Chopper went into like supersonic mode. He was like, boom, and he just like shoots. Uh, you know, and I was like, whoa, like that's that's awesome. You know, big huge thruster engine on the bottom like that like you know mad do you think there's a do you think there's an astromech out there with uh hyperspace capabilities oh man i don't know but if 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 i would (laughs) assume anyone has that kind of capabilities i would give it to maybe bt1 the the the, that crazy astromech droid that has like those massive cannons somehow it all fits in there right you know from the dr afro comics like i don't even know how that you're talking about yeah, I know. I know it's a comic and stuff, but like, seriously, like, how do those guns fit in there? Like, is it like <laughs> nanotechnology from the Iron Man suit? It doesn't like, make just, sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um, well, okay. I wonder now. Maybe there's like a this, like Star Wars space version of AAA. So like, you break down somewhere and astromech just like rockets out across the galaxy to find you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought this episode was uh, kind of interesting that it kind of introduced the courier droid message sending sort of idea. Um, I know mm-hmm. that the higher public phase two is actually doing that right now, like because because the the communications to people exploring the outer rim are actually uh, 
you know, not really set in stone. They're not really solid, right? Like they can't communicate properly across that distance. So they're using droids to carry uh, messages and act like um, uh, like signal beacons, right? Um, and, you know, I, I'm sort of blabbing now because, I, you know, I actually haven't personally read any of these novels myself from phase two yet, but uh, I will get around to it. It's just this is something that I read on StarWars.com and it's just kind of been something that they talked about in the higher public show, I think, at one point. But uh, that's kind of neat. I guess the idea yeah. is they don't have the infrastructure set up, so they're using droids to uh, carry courier message everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just an interesting kind of connection to make there, I guess, just drawing a line between uh, how things were done kind of way back when, when uh, communication over standard uh, methods and procedures kind of wasn't falling into place or, or wasn't really okay. the infrastructure wasn't there. Uh, the droids, you know, were a fallback, right? And so I thought it was very kind of natural and interesting that even though that piece of lore was only recently established, that Star Wars Rebels kind of makes it seem like it's like the a natural sort of backup plan is to use astromech droids to kind of act as message car- couriers, right? Um, well, you know who else? Cool. Who else did that? Princess Leia in the first fifteen minutes of the first movie. <laughs> right right i think that was that that i've always looked at as like kind of a discreet way of slipping someone a note though because i feel like you know the actual tr- transmission of you know her asking obi-wan for help was too risky because you know the star destroyer was was monitoring all of those you know any broadcasts right because they were able to tell that there was a signal that was beamed to that ship. So any kind of outgoing right. communications would have been intercepted. Yeah, yeah. So I, I always thought that the whole R2 to Obi-Wan thing was kind of literally like, a here's the physical plans disc, but then also here's a message to go with it. And no one can no one can hack something that's not being broadcasted, right? So it's um, that's the way I always looked at it. But I thought like, you know, the rotation of of, of information going from the ground to to the the ships up top and whatever you know relying on these little courier droids to kind of do that um it's kind of risky but at the same time it kind of makes sense because you know for hundreds of years this was just the way of doing that for people that were in far reaches of outer space that didn't have uh the technology to just you know drum up a hologram to someone in the inner rim right so yep i think that makes a lot of sense yeah and uh, the end yeah, of it's, it, it's all threaded together now. It, it, it's cool how it kind of it feels really cohesive like that. Right? I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. It does. Books now and rebels and feels yeah. feels very natural. Yeah. Um, the end of this episode, uh, there was it was kind of a, a funny moment. I I, I, I always it always took takes me by surprise still, but uh, I always I always have a good laugh when when Chopper boots that astromech droid, that Imperial astromech droid, <laughs> who is quite friendly, by the way. Uh, just boots yeah, him out of the like, ghost and sends him dying into the clouds. Oh my gosh! You know what this re- actually reminds me of that whole scene when we were playing uh, Edge of the Empire. Yeah. And every time we do a mission, we try to collect another pet, like <laughs> yeah. like an, an extra yeah. NPC to fight with us. And then you'd come up with some random reason why they would like die or explode or you know whatever. In right. this case, Chopper just like pushes him out the door. Right, right. Yeah, I know. Like a GM being like, nope. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I don't know. I thought it was a, I thought it was a funny little, uh, yeah, just like, yeah. They they make him out to be this like grumpy old man in a droid form, right? And just like, nope. He's like George. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, yeah, maybe we should adopt this droid. Oh you know, we'll, we'll bring him into the family. And then Chopper's like, nope. nope. <laughs> oh my gosh. Could you imagine if this that was the thing the whole time? Chopper just based on George. Yeah. <laughs> just real grumpy. Dude, that would be actually like kind of amazing, actually. Oh man. Maybe maybe Dave's voice for Chopper is his impression of George Lucas. Oh my gosh, don't tell George that. Yeah, maybe not. I wonder if George listens to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> pretty sure he does. Yeah, pretty sure. Pretty sure. Because, um, you know, what else? Pretty sure. Doing, right? Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> oh, because, like, uh, I believe you thought the droid died. But I swear there's a scene right at the end of the episode. There is. There is. Where yeah, you he, see him, like, Lothcat on his head or something. He gets up and he's surrounded by Lothcats. Yeah, I thought that was kind of like, okay, really? Like, did he really survive that fall? Like, there's no freaking <laughs> way, dude. No freaking way. Just a crumpled trash can. Yeah, they should have just left him a smoking pile of garbage. Like, that would have been, that would have added to the joke, right? But, I don't know. That's true. Well, you know, it's Disney XDs and nobody can be harmed. Yeah, 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 exactly. Droids yeah. or otherwise. <laughs> right. you know, that being said, I don't know if we ever see him again. So is he just lost forever in the fields? Yeah, he's just lost. Yeah, he's just lost forever in the fields. I mean, you know, like I don't, he's just run out to, of power. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't think he pops up again. I think uh, he was just meant to be kind of a temporary character for the story, but you know, it is what it is. Um, you got anything uh, you want to add to this episode, or should we move on to the last one here? Uh, just that I can't remember what Vizago's like. The deal was Vizago has to get a favor from Kanan later. I and I'm sure that's like going to be a story point later on. I can't remember what it is, so I'm actually quite curious. This isn't me yeah. asking for an answer, but I'm actually like somewhat excited to figure that out. I think it's a season two thing, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. It is. It seems like definitely not this season. Right. No, definitely not this season. Yeah, because we only got one more episode. So, uh, which is season one, episode fifteen, "Fire Across the Galaxy." Uh, so this episode was written by Simon Kinberg and directed by Dave Filoni. Premiered on Disney XD March second, twenty fifteen. Uh, guest stars Phil Lamar, Ashley Eckstein, and Steven Stanton. Uh, what an episode this was. Uh, the crew of the Ghost sees an, episode, uh, sees an Imperial transport and used the TIE fighter that Zeb and Ezra had previously stolen to infiltrate and disable Tarkin's Star Destroyer in the Mustafar system. Ezra frees Kanan using the duct system while Hera, Sabine, and Zeb attempt to secure an, es- uh, an escape route. Ambushed in the engine room, Ezra and Kanan face the Inquisitor in a lightsaber duel, which was a fantastic duel, by the way, during which Ezra falls and is believed dead by Kanan, temporarily. Abandoning his fear of losing Ezra in that effort, uh, Kanan succeeds in destroying the Inquisitor's lightsaber and ruptures the ship's engine, into which defeated the Inquisitor uh, casts himself uh, to into the fires of death, into the fires of Mount Doom. Uh, Ezra reveals himself to be alive and uh, to have gotten a scar during the battle with the Inquisitor uh, and escapes with Kanan. Both groups successfully emerge from the Doom Destroyer with stolen TIE fighters. Um, and Chopper arrives in the stolen transport alongside a number of other ships. They all successfully escape into hyperspace and the rebels are greeted by Senator Organa and Fulcrum, the later whom is revealed to be Ahsoka Tano. 
who tells the group that they are just one cell out of many working to a larger rebellion. On Lothal, Tarkin introduces Agent Callus to Darth Vader, who has been selected by Emperor Palpatine to hunt the rebels in the Inquisitor's place, seeing as the Grand Inquisitor is now defeated. So, uh, what did you think of this episode? As you said, like the duel is super cool. They definitely did a good job, like introducing Vader and kind of starting to move the story forward. Uh, there's a couple things that are also a bit of an annoyance to me. And we brought this up a few times in season one, because like to me of the Rebels series, like this was the biggest mistake. And that was having the Grand Inquisitor being the first Inquisitor. Because hmm. yeah. Kanan, as we discussed earlier this episode, is a, he was, he wasn't trained any more than a Padawan. And then right. he spent like a couple weeks, a few weeks training. Like you can see, he last fought the Inquisitor. And then he's able to beat the Grand Inquisitor, who was already, he was the one of the Temple Guards. So he should have won one of the best fighters to begin with, and then becomes the leader of the Inquisitors. It's a bit of a stretch. Mm. Like, to me, you want to lead up to that guy, not start with him and then take a step down. I mean, like, other than like, like Vader, but as we'll get into that, that's not a consistent villain. So. Mm. Uh, to to me that that's like a that's a huge caveat for like this part of the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, this this episode was uh, was 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 interesting. It actually it makes a reference to um, well in Rebels Talk Part One we uh, we watched the the four Rebels animated shorts that prelude the show, and uh, in one of them Sabine attacks a Tie Fighter outpost somewhere on Lothal. And it's called the artist, and uh, a bunch of stormtroopers in this episode at the beginning, when Sabine is is you know there at that same place that we saw in the short, uh, you know says the artist is back, <laughs> and the stormtroopers they recognize Sabine from the from that moment that that happens before season one, and uh, you know I just thought it was funny you know when they jack an imperial tr- tie transport from that place I just thought it was hilarious that they actually kind of went back to that little short and not made it completely useless so you know that's part of the reason why we actually covered that stuff in the first oh, episode of rebels talk was it was a it was a reference to to an episode later yeah that's really funny because even though we watched that i still didn't get it like you just still didn't didn't oh you, you couldn't remember am recording. i jogging your memory and me like telling you this stuff now that you yeah now that you yeah, mentioned because yeah. i forgot that was even a thing because like i know in the episode they're like oh she's back but yeah. I, I assumed it was from an earlier episode, not from the short to introduce the characters. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was a cool little little way to kick off the season one finale. Um, Ezra cutting a hole in the ship blast door. He touches the edge uh, when he kind of climbs through the hole, and it's hot. So he, you know, he kind of like flicks his hand. And you hear the little, you know, sound. Mm. Um, and I was I was really surprised. I was like. This is so smart because we've never seen that before. Like, you know, the Jedi just oh, kind they're of... they're always fine. They're always, like, cutting a hole and they're always just hopping through it as if it's not going to be extremely hot, you know, when they... If they touch the sides or step on the the the, the hole. Molten metal. Right, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that is is so well thought of, you know, for a scene of, like, a young Jedi dealing with a lightsaber for the first time, cutting a hole through a big metal door... Like this is actually of such a great way to 
just kind of throw in that little hint of consequence for touching a hot piece of metal. I was like, this is never put in the Star Wars movies. I almost wonder if they should have went a step farther and showed him like, ah! <laughs> Wave his hand around. Kid, a little bit subtle. Kid, what have you done? <laughs> I'm gonna burn now on my paw. Or like, yeah, puts yeah. his hand down and just like his hand just like like pushes into the metal because it's still soft. Yeah. Like stuck in the wall. Burning him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the the lightsaber fight is a highlight for this for this episode for, oh, for man and for the whole season. I would say it's the best one, of course. Um, it was really well done. I don't, yeah, this I say there's probably like at least one good lightsaber fight per season. So yeah, there's definitely going to be at least four. Yeah, you know, and, and I feel like with Clone Wars, we're so accustomed to seeing lightsabers all the time and lightsaber fights all the time that right. moving into Star Wars Rebels, again, you know, I hate to be a broken record when I say that, you know, I, I was originally, when the show came out, I was quite bitter about it. Uh, but, I mean, here we are. And, uh, you know, like, looking back now, it's fine, but, like, it's, it, it is one of those things, like, it's like a it's like a hard left turn watching Clone Wars and going into Star Wars Rebels with the expectation that even though there's Jedi in this show, I think the show being designed for a younger audience doesn't help, but really it's just a time period where there isn't a lot of lightsaber duels going on anymore. And I think as a viewer, if that's what excites you about the Clone Wars, um, you know, that's certainly not uh, an element that comes up a lot in Star Wars Rebels. So for me, I found a lot of Rebels season one the first time around I thought it was actually a bit more dull than I than I look at it now. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's a good point because you're yeah. mostly fighting people with blasters in the show. Because right. other than Vader, there's and the three Jedi. That's really all there is for lightsaber users. And you know, and as far as like cool factor goes, I mean, you know, lightsaber to a kid like lightsaber is like the coolest thing that comes out of a Star Wars show. So uh, like it's. It's true. It's, it, it's pretty badass. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it, it's a lightsaber. Like, it's the coolest thing that's ever been invented for any movie ever. And and it's like, I don't know. I just, to me, when when the show came out, I wasn't that young, but, like, when the show came out, I was, I was you know, I, I guess in a in a state of, of constant criticism. I was like, man, I missed the lightsaber duels. Like, what the heck is this? You know, and... Where's uh, Anakin? Yeah. Where's Darth Maul? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's just, way long for that. just just one of those things, right? But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just kind of I'm kind of curious. Anyone listening, like, you know, what did you think about Star Wars Rebel season one? Let us know. Uh, you know, I'm curious to to hear if anyone actually had any similar feelings, you know, towards this whole uh, stark difference with with way less lightsaber action going on. You know, the action in general is nothing compared to the Clone Wars, at least in my opinion. But, um, you know, I'm just kind of curious, like, who out there actually feels the same? Uh, because I feel like... Or I've the gone... opposite. Yeah, or the opposite. You <laughs> if know, you did... disagree... Yeah, actually, maybe... Actually, no, never mind. We don't... If you disagree, just don't bother. We don't want to hear it. We want an echo chamber. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I am curious, though. agreements or, or disagreements. Genuinely, genuinely curious. You know, just shoot us a tweet. Just, just tag us and be like, yo... Latest Star Wars Rebels episode. You know, your opinions suck. Um, hashtag then, Josh, you're wrong. Yeah, hashtag Josh, you're wrong. You know, and then and then actually, ex, ex, <laughs> you may you may want to explain, you know, why why we're wrong. But 
um, yeah, I, you know, I'm okay. just kind of curious. I'm just kind of curious. I'm just kind of curious. Like, did anyone feel similar about this? Is it just me? Um, you know, like where are we? Oh at? my gosh. You know, I just realized that I've never realized before. And now I have to talk about it right at this very moment. What's that? Pretty sure there's a Disney show called Blake and Josh. It's Drake and Josh. <laughs> oh, so close. But that is I'm close. Like, oh, I don't hear well, I'm like, I've never bothered saying my own know, name and then your name together like that. <laughs> it's like, oh man, oh, people figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. Oh, geez. All right. Um, yeah. So no, uh, that was our show. <laughs> we were secretly on Disney's Blake and Josh. That was what we were doing before we uh, started doing a Star Wars podcast. That's right, everybody. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Tarkin. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. So we've seen it a few times now, but the weakness of the Inquisitor's lightsaber is always the spinning hilt. Even Darth Maul's saber staff is cut in half in the Phantom Menace. I feel like there's just a bad track record for anyone with a double-bladed or spinny lightsaber. I feel like that's just mm. not a good way to duel. You know what I mean? No, that does make sense because you you have that big weak spot where the two shafts me right yeah yeah i just i I think there is at least one saber where the the hilt is actually made out of like kartosis so it's not it can't be broken by other lightsabers well i know the dark saber is probably probably made it well the dark saber is made of beskar right like the hilt is is made of beskar so i guess it actually i would have i would only imagine it is yeah but how did it get all mushed Oh, dude, yeah, you just blow my mind. Yeah. yeah. What the heck? Because at the end of Mandalorian Season 3. Okay, well, mushed. maybe... Oh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's Beskar versus Beskar. Maybe that's... Because he's got a Beskar suit, right? That's true. So That's I true. Know. I don't know. but uh, Maybe that's why he's able to crush it. Yeah. I'm actually... I'm kind of curious about that, though. I haven't looked that up in a while. I th- but I, I always thought that the Darksaber's hilt was made of Beskar. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's one of those things. I just thought like, okay, we've seen it a few times now. We've seen, we've seen, uh, well, throughout the series, I think, you know, I think we'll see it again. And uh, I feel like it's just something we've seen before. I think in Obi-Wan Kenobi, we saw it, you know, with Reva's, Reva's lightsaber. I think that was also uh, um, kind of a weak spot, right? It was, it was like the handle. Wasn't Why it, wasn't is the training not aware of this? Why are they all trained at this, the same stances to have the same flaw? I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it is a bit of a flaw to have all of the these Jedi who you know went went sour to just all of a sudden start from scratch in a new lightsaber form that they're not used to. I just thought that was kind of strange. That too. But good I don't question. Know. Uh, well, specifically with the um, Grand Inquisitor, he was a, a sentinel, right? A Jedi sentinel, like uh, one of the uh, the guardians. Right. So he actually already fought with a saber staff. Right. I guess. Ones. Yeah, he's got the, like the mini blades on the end of that long hilt or whatever. Yeah. Um. That one. That one's an interesting lightsaber. But that that's like a double blade, a, a full double blade lightsaber. Like all these Inquisitor hilts, mm-hmm. they're basically the length of one lightsaber hilt, right? Maybe slightly longer. And then they've got the the two ends on it, so it's not a true yeah. double bladed lightsaber. Like right. It's, it's not so a true. It's not a true saber different? staff. Yeah. So the form in, in itself is is very 
different. I think that's why like you never see them two handing their hilt, right? Like it's always a single hand. And I think that's why yeah, that's they true. that's probably why they add the spinny function, right? Because with a saber staff, you can twirl it with two hands. But because this the actual hilt is mm. smaller, it spins. It spins itself. instead. Yeah, to compensate for the fact that they can't twirl it. So maybe it was just a way of of kind of mass producing the same kind of thing. The weird thing that I come across is that all these inquisitors still do have slight variations of this design. So, you know, really, oh, right. Yeah. They have like personalized. I'm still versions. very confused about this. I feel like I've mentioned it before, but I feel like I would like kind of some explanation on these lightsabers. You know, where does the design come from? What's the reason behind having all of these guys use the same one? Right. Good question. Because a lot of people had the same question with uh, Kylo Ren's crossguard saber. And so then there's this huge backstory of how it's like an ancient lightsaber design, you know, yeah, all that, et cetera, et cetera. And then this came out before that and just kind of swept under the rug. Yeah. And also in regards to the Kylo Ren lightsaber, that was also something that came out of left field. And, and it was like, OK, like, you know, huge debate thing. Is it cool? Is it not? And then the first, I feel like at the time in 2015, I feel like the first canon reason why it was the way it was, was because the the kyber crystal was cracked. He needed the vents on the side, right? As to is not that, overload. That, that was at the time a reason that came out. And I think it's even in the visual dictionary. But then Star Wars Rebels came out. And made a cross guard saber, and you know, this minor spoilers, by the way, for like season right. two. But they made a design for the cross guard saber, and we've now since seen it in the High Republic era as well. And I just, and and that was a true actual design was to have the blades coming out the sides. So then it, it was this added element of okay, well, if he's got the the vents on the side for the overloading of the power in the hilt and all that stuff because of the cracked kyber crystal then why does it look so similar like is it is it maybe you know designed that way incidentally which mimics the actual true cross guard saber design or or you know what reason is it yeah just that right exactly happened to come across that design while trying to figure out how to fix a different issue exactly yeah that's what i'm saying is like i think it gets it gets to this point of confusion because all these different canon stories you know they should be kept even more consistent with things than they already are but you know yeah i think the problem you run into is likely is what happened is i put all this effort into making an a reason to why that was the case and then someone else was writing something was like oh that's cool i'm gonna use that too and then it just became a thing yeah yeah exactly it's kind know. of trampled over the original explanation right yeah it kind of overrides the last reason or whatever right so because like at the time i was like oh well it's kind of interesting to know that oh that's why it looks the way it does like it's all like spitting fire and sparks and all that yeah. stuff right and you got the vents on the side like to to you know, make sure that the hilt doesn't blow up in his hand. You know, it's like, okay, I can kind of buy that. Like, it makes sense. And then Star Wars Rebels came out with an episode where it introduced that. And now it's all over the place. Now it's in Jedi Survivor. Now it's in uh, in the higher public. Mm-hmm. And and now, now it's an actual design to have these blades on the side. And it's like, okay, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, yeah, I would like I, like, I, I would I like a say... lightsaber lore book. I, I want a lightsaber lore book, which literally just friggin gets into all this stuff you know what i mean 
and you know, I'm also okay with it being like a Sith specific thing because the Sith are always about, you know, like trying to get an edge over the, their opponent. But to me, it's not really a Jedi looking saber. If you do like that, they should. Jedi are supposed to be very traditional, right? Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, stick to the original design, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway, minor complaints there, but, you know. Um, I would like to know more about these Inquisitor lightsabers. You know, they all got the same stupid weakness. Uh, and let's not even get into the fact that they can fly with them. So, you know, we'll just skip over that for now. Oh, we'll get into <laughs> that later, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so the coming together, of, or sorry, Tarkin is, uh, is, is pressed to leave for his safety. Uh, which I found was interesting in this episode. You know, someone mentions a target. Hey, we, we should we should get you off here, you know, for your own safety. Um, and maybe this happens a few more times because he must get so sick of it that by the time when the Death Star rolls around and the Air Rebels are attacking that, you know, he's kind of he's kind of fed up, right? He's like, he's like on the last straw. He's like, no, no, this is my this is our moment of triumph. This is when we actually yeah. defeat the Rebels. Like, I'm in not our leaving. Moment of triumph. Yeah, in our moment of triumph, like. You know, you must be mad. Uh, but I, I don't know, like whatever he says. But yeah, it's just, it's and, one of those uh, things. His stubbornness. I think you overestimate our chances. Right, yeah. You must be an imbecile. No. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, his stubbornness is key to that moment. This party's over. Yeah, that's right. Shut down. Uh, his, his stubbornness is just key in that moment. And I, and I just thought, like, it was very smart to add in this added section in this show where someone does tell that to him and he goes without complaints and you know this is a couple of years prior but i'm assuming that you know a few events with that same situation lead him to this state of impatience when he's actually in the final the final battle you know he's like no 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 i'm not leaving this time this time i'm gonna watch them burn and yeah. uh and then he ends up dying because of it so it was smart it was smart to add that in it's kind of neat. It's almost like a little nod, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little nod to uh, to a new hope. The coming together of the rebel cells and the reveal of the system, uh, how all the rebel cells work. You know, now they're kind of more operating in unison. This is a great way to launch into season two, and I felt like this was a much needed step forward in the story because most of season one, I think a lot of people, including myself, were a little confused just how the rebellion is working and. You know, Andor has shed more light on the subject, uh, so to speak. But um, really, when this show came out, there wasn't a whole lot of canon reason as to... Uh, because let's not forget, only only a year or two prior, you know, Disney came and wiped the slate clean. So any expanded universe knowledge that we knew about how the Rebellion formed was no longer relevant anymore. So this animated series comes in swinging. And I just thought, What? Like, what is going on? Like, I don't know. I just I just had no sense of the politics. You know, I had no sense of, mm. like, the system, how the rebellion was built. You know, I didn't know who, who what, like, who are these people, right? Like, like what's the significance right. of that? What, there's Jedi alive now that isn't Obi-Wan and Yoda? Like, what's going on here? So, um, I mean, times have changed. There's a lot of inserts. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, we also had all the old EU stories of how the rebellion got started. But right. A lot of people... It was yeah. kind of left up in the air. And yeah. what's funny is the, the the I think the main reason why we thought the rebellion got started, which would have been through the, well, this is the version I know. There might be multiple. Uh, what I'm thinking of is through the Force Unleashed books. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, and the end of that game, and if anyone remembers, the the rebel uh, rebellion logo is like revealed at the end of that first the first story, right? Yeah, if you sacrifice yourself and become a Jedi, then uh, when Sam Witwer's character, what's what's his name? Uh, <laughs> yeah, G- it. G- Galen uh, Merrick. Killer. That's right. When Starkiller uh, Galen Merrick uh, dies at the end as a Jedi, then it's revealed. That's when they they make the, the rebellion logo. And yeah, the rebellion is like starts to officially start to form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. supposed to like in honor of him, which is kind of funny. And then we went the entire. I can talk about this now. I don't know if you wanted to wait, but we go through the entire Rebel series, and all of us are speculating all the time when Galen Merrick's going to show up, and he never <laughs> yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember all of us thinking, okay, there, there's got to be some sort where's of... Where's the secret apprentice? Yeah, where's the secret apprentice? When's he going to show up? Is he going to be an Inquisitor? I feel like there, that's something people are still talking about. Star Wars Escape Pod has just been intercepted by the Separatist Alliance. If you are tuning in right now, don't go anywhere. Leave a review and make it a good one. Hold on. Uh, you there? Hey. Hey, there you are. Okay, we had a we had a drop for some reason. Oh, are we live on the podcast? I hear it now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we we we, <laughs> we got you back on the on the backup uh, <laughs> the backup hologram here. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. So I was just I was just saying, um, Ahsoka and and Galen Merrick they both have a, a habit of using backhanded lightsaber stances. Do you feel like yeah. maybe there were some uh, intentional similarities there? Like when when Anakin took on his apprentice uh, compared to the old EU. Like do do you feel oh, like that? Yeah, yeah yeah? What are you, what are your thoughts on that one? That's funny because I didn't actually take it even in the comparison that they're both Anakin's apprentice. Right. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> It's possible that there was just some, there might have been some influence there. Because, I mean, if Dave thought that was cool, why, why not reuse it? Right. But do we see any other Jedi other than those two use that stance? Uh, I mean. Uh, what about Quinlan Voss? Does Quinlan Voss do that? I feel like mm-hmm. I may have seen that. I mean, no, backhanded? No, I, maybe, maybe. Um, not not full time, though. Uh, Ventress, okay. Ventress uses backhanded sometimes. Uh, but that's, you know, it's really rare, right? Like it's, it's not something that comes up a whole lot. And I feel like it no. was, there was almost maybe I would, it's something I would love to ask Dave is like, was there an intention to draw sort of a parallel line between the, the talents and the, 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 the lightsaber form that each of these characters use both in the canon and the EU, you know, Galen Merrick and Ahsoka Tano. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've always thought that was kind of very, very curious. No, that's a really good point. I do wonder if that is the case. They also, at least if you count the second game or, or do wielding stances uh, or whatever it is. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, two, two, uh, two lightsabers backhanded. I mean, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's incredibly rare, right? So, yeah. Well, you- I think Ahsoka has one backhanded and one forehanded. She never does two backhanded. Uh, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's true. Well, it really depends. It really depends. I mean, um, there has been quite a few times where, so if you just Google like Ahsoka Tano on, on images, 
she will mm-hmm. she will have um pictures you know where she is wielding both lightsabers in you know backwards backhanded right oh really i've actually never noticed that before yeah it's it's very uh it, she does switch back and forth in the live action show uh in the mandalorian she does use her lightsabers more in the front and i think it's because the style of doing that in animation is so much easier than, oh, yeah. than actually doing that in live action, right? So I think that's one of the the small gripes that people may have when they watch the live action compared to the the animated. I hope I didn't ruin it for anybody, but um, but that's that's kind of the reality of of you know it's a very impractical way of holding a, a sword, and it plays up very well in you know in fiction in in the animated series and the video games and stuff like that, but. Uh, you know, when you transition to live action, it doesn't really work as well. And the choreography can be extremely clunky and sometimes just doesn't look very right because the joints in a human being are, are not as flexible as an animated character. So um, naturally, it's not going to work out the same way. Uh, yeah, that does make sense. I mean, yeah. it, your wrist isn't always capable of moving like that. Exactly. That being said, like the because, you know, it's kind of based on knife fighting, right? If you've ever seen like military or like, professional knife fighters, you often use it in a backward stance, right? Right. And the reason for that is when you if you have like a, a downward stabbing motion is like quite a bit stronger. And you have more weight behind it, but uh, when you block, you hold it the same as the sofa where the blade kind of goes along, uh, kind of like the length of your arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a good. But normally, point. it's like a it's a dagger or something like. Like or like a like a what do they call them? It's like a specific kind of knife. You don't normally do it with a sword, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially like in in real life, like those lightsabers are, you know, they're heavy. You know, they got like LEDs in the blade, and the hilt has got batteries in it. And um, you know, if anyone's held a replica Hasbro series, it's probably heavier than their stunt sabers. But uh, you know, you get a good idea for the weight of an actual blade on the end of that thing and you know it's kind of unclear at this point especially with the mandalorian you know it kind of threw a curveball in there as to whether or not these things are heavy but um i always thought for a long time that you know after the original trilogy the concept of lightsabers being heavy kind of changed and when they did the prequels it was like just the hilt weighs something but the actual blade has no weight to it so yep i don't know there's a huge change between the original trilogy and the prequels yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the most noticeable change for sure. Um, Vader comes in swinging at the end of this season. I mean, I know you've seen the whole show. I know it's pretty much there's no uh, guessing as to what he'll do for us since since we already know what's going to happen. But um, when that happened, going back to the first time that you saw the series, you know, if, if you can remember back that far, uh, did you have any solid expectations when you saw that moment? You know, the reveal of Vader, the reveal of Ahsoka, you know, is there anything that you were kind of expecting that you would want out of this story? I'm trying to remember now the specific circumstances. Cause I did start, <laughs> I just started season two. So I'm trying to remember specifically the end of this season. What? So the like, end of, well, I thought Vader just showed up. And yeah, then, he, he does. Yeah. So so on the Rebels side, we see the reveal of Ahsoka, and then on the Imperial side, because the Grand Inquisitor is dead, 
uh, I believe it's uh, uh, Agent Callus and Tarkin are there, and Vader comes out of his shuttle, and and basically he's there to complete the job that the Inquisitor failed to do. Okay, yeah, but it was just like a reveal. Yeah, like it was just a we reveal. We kind of get, get get more action the next next season here. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember where the cutoff was because I kind of just watched straight into the next. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. What, what what were your like hopes when you when you saw that like originally for the first time? I don't know if I had a lot of hopes as much as fears, to be honest yeah. with you. Like we just watched the Grand Inquisitor kind of get like tom tomfooleried a few times and a little bit general grievous and black. I don't at the time especially because I didn't we didn't know it was going to happen. I know I was quite nervous that they're going to take Darth Vader and he was going to turn into a bit of a bumbling fool as he's uh, outmaneuvered every week by these, you know, this, this rabble of rebels. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear what you Yeah, I know what you mean. And th- that's exactly why the Inquisitors were made in the first place, because they didn't want to make Vader this this tomfoolery, as you said, grievous character, right? So, I mean, yeah. you know, I was a little worried too when he showed up. I was like, okay, this is cool, but at the same time, I really hope that he actually comes in and starts killing some people because, you know, otherwise it's just going to look stupid. Right. So exactly, um, for those who haven't seen the series, we're going to talk more about this as we go further into season two, you know, clearly Vader's going to be a big subject of a lot of those episodes. Um, But is there anything that you wanted to bring up before we rate these Pablos and Pudus? Uh, Obviously, it's probably just worth doubling down that this last episode was actually like a really good episode overall. And season one definitely had some hit and misses. There's some kind of boring episodes you can kind of pass. Yeah. Someone's probably putting, they get put together a list of episodes that are like quote unquote, like mandatory to get the whole story. I feel like season one probably had a lot of filler. Right. Right. And you, you know, you have the issue of never leaving a little fall and stuff, but that's for like, leading somewhere and having this like a solid finale. I thought they did a really good job. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. All right. So we'll start off with, um, we'll start off with the first one that we did. So that's episode 13. Uh, that was, uh, vision. Sorry. That was call to action with the grand Moff Tarkin, the spike, uh, the message from Ezra. Uh, you know, I would give that maybe, uh, maybe one uh, maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe one Pablo point. What about you? Hmm. Yeah, like this one was probably the least interesting. But you did get to see uh, Kanan decide to actually, you know, sacrifice himself, or whatever, right? Yeah. So kind of around there. Yeah. Kind of a point five to one, I would say. Right. Cool. Uh, Rebel Resolve. This was the crew of the Ghost uh, disguising Chopper as an Imperial courier droid, and Ezra's reveal uh, of the truth to Visago. Uh, what'd you feel? And the Tie Fighter, of course, the reveal that they, in fact, did not destroy that colorful painted Tie Fighter that Zeb and Ezra once took. <laughs> uh, what'd you think of this one? Kind of the maybe a bit lower, actually. Bendu. I think it's kind of yeah, it kind of dragged on a little bit. Yeah, let's go with the Bendu on this. I think. Yeah, Bendu, Bendu for me too. And the final finale, the uh, season one fire across the galaxy episode fifteen. Uh, you know, I got to give this uh, 
probably two Pablo points, I would say. Yep. Yep. That's why I was aiming there, but just so we're not doing exactly the same, I'll say two and one third. Yeah. Yeah. Also throwing it out there, there was a pretty good joke made by Ezra when they were stealing the Inquisitor's tie when, you know, Kanan's like, we'll take the Inquisitor's tie. And then Ezra's like, well, we know he's not going to need it. <laughs> and then yeah. Kanan looks over and is like, you know, you worry me sometimes, kid. And then they just get in to fly away. <laughs> I was like, that that was so well played. I don't know. I just, I really oh liked it. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah pretty tongue in cheek there. Yeah. Ezra, it's not the Jedi way. <laughs> But Ezra, as a Jedi, you can't say those things. Yeah, but it's true. He's not going to need it anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't be so happy about it. <laughs> it's it, like the, what he said there kind of reminds me of something that Anakin might say during the Clone Wars. I don't know. It felt very like quippy to me, which I, I, I yeah, I liked it. It was cool. Um, That's true. Yeah, I could definitely see a Attack of the Clones Anakin saying that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, It'll man. Be more whiny. Yeah, right? more whiny. Yeah. So like, he's gonna need it. Well, he's not gonna need it. <laughs> <laughs> he's too much emotion. You got you got to say it more dull, more wooden, <laughs> more wooden, <laughs> slower, less intense. Yeah, yeah, uh, so, yeah, slower, less intense. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder if that was George's George's directorial instructions every time. Um, I'm thinking so. Whatever it was like, not an action scene. It yeah. was slower, less intense. Yeah, yeah. I hate sand. It's coarse and rough, and it gets every. No, 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 no. We want it. Yeah, no, a bit slower, Hayden. Just, just a bit slower and less intense. But, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Thanks, George. Um, it's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Perfect. <laughs> we'll steal that ship. He's not going to need it anymore. Slower. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not gonna need. Now I just sound like that that, that, <laughs> that caricature version of him on YouTube. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Beware of my power. <laughs> oh man. Oh my god. All right, buddy. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in from far, far away. Uh, you know, it's always great to chat Star Wars with you, and uh, we, we're, we're going to be steamrolling ahead when uh, when you get back. We'll find time to hit up season two of Star Wars Rebels and uh, kind of go strong into Ahsoka, and then we'll have a good couple weeks chatting about that show. I know a lot of people are looking forward to Ahsoka season one. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, actually, speaking of which, uh, today, a bit of news dropped saying uh, one of the actors revealed that season one of Ahsoka overlaps with season three of The Mandalorian. So that's going to be very interesting. Gives us an idea for the timeline oh, of when that show takes like, place. Like happening simultaneously in yeah. parts of the galaxy? Exactly. Picking up where Ahsoka leaves Luke and Grogu on uh, whatever on whatever planet that oh, yeah. was, right? So, yeah, very cool stuff. So I'm looking forward to chatting about that um, with you. And uh, with anyone else who uh, wants to join us on our crew. And uh, yeah. All right. Thank you again, sir. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. And we'll see you out there. Keep flying. All right. Big thank you to all our listeners. I mean, we really appreciate you 
We really appreciate any uh, rating that you can give us. If you can, slap down to five stars on Spotify or iTunes. That would be fantastic. If you can't, maybe let us know why. And, uh, you know, throw in a review there if you got time to do that. Join the giveaway. There should be a link in the description of this podcast episode as well as the next couple leading up to the final reveal of who won that competition. Follow the socials in the description below, and we will see you in the next episode of Star Wars Escape Pod. May the force be with you.